Well, I would appreciate everyone being here tonight. We're going to be talking tonight about discouragement and depression. A lot of ways you can get that way, you know. Um, remember a guy, he was working with the co-workers one time, and he'd come in and work, and he was really upset. In fact, he couldn't hardly just, he couldn't concentrate. He was crying. He just, he's finally one of his buddies got kind of concerned, went over to him and said, man, what in the world? We can tell you're visibly upset. What's wrong with you? And he said, man, y'all know I got married about a year ago. He said, we just celebrated our first anniversary. and said, my wife's already made me a millionaire. And the guy said, man, are you crying about that? He said, yeah, when we got married, I was a multi-millionaire. Um, but... <clears throat> <laughs> but brethren, no, seriously, you know what? There are those in, in spiritual realm sometimes, in the spiritual serving the Lord's church that, that, that say, you know what, as long as you, you may have even heard this, you know, maybe you're going through a hard time and a well-meaning, and you know, I'm, I'm not trying to judge anyone's motive, but I have a well-meaning brother or sister trying to encourage you in there to say, oh, you just need to snap out of it, you know. If you just had enough, what, faith, why, you wouldn't be in this predicament at all. If you just had enough faith in God, then you wouldn't be depressed. You wouldn't be discouraged. And brothers and sisters, that's where we want to grow to. There's no doubt about that. I, I beg God to give me the kind of faith that, that nothing moves me, you know? I mean, <clears throat> but we live in these bodies. We live in the human flesh, and we have our weaknesses, and we have our shortcomings. And so there's times that we're going to go through times of discouragement and even depression and it can be very harmful we know that um <clears throat> we know there are people that have committed suicide because of severe depression and um and brethren we all get discouraged at times we know that and and, and very often discouragement comes shortly after what we would call a mountaintop experience as we're going to see in our text from first kings chapter 19 tonight um becoming a christian does not mean that everything's going to just be rosy that's satan's tool when there are those what I call <clears throat> prosperity theology preachers that sometimes preach that, you know, that if you just come to the Lord, then everything's going to be great and you're not going to have any troubles and all. And But the Bible and God and Jesus have never said that. They said the exact opposite, that in the world you will have tribulation. And brethren, we say, well, you know, if we're just strong enough Christians, we wouldn't get discouraged or depressed. But some of the greatest people, some of the greatest servants that God has ever had throughout the Bible have suffered times of se severe depression and discouragement. Moses did. David, Job, Jeremiah, the Apostle Paul, Elijah, all these people that were great servants of the Lord that were right in the thick of God's will and, and, and serving God, you know. Um, so it is possible for Christians to go through that. And all of these men were able to overcome their discouragement with God's help. And that's where we got to go, brethren. And we can also, okay? And, and we, need to, we need to be sure we understand that. And a, good, a brief lesson tonight along those lines. And we're going to be talking about Elijah and his discouragement in 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want us to notice, too, that Elijah's discouragement came, like in many of our cases, immediately after what we call a mountaintop experience. Have y'all ever done that, brethren? Have you ever had, I mean, things are going along great in your life, and, and you, you've experienced some, <clears throat> as we would say, mountaintop experience, something extraordinary, something really great, and not long after that, you kind of go into depression, and it really throws you off because you don't understand it, right? You say, what in the world? I'm so blessed, and things have been going well, and, and I shouldn't feel this way at all. Well, Elijah went through the same thing, and <clears throat> when you first... Uh, read about it, it seems, at least to me, uh, knowing Elijah and the great man of God that he was, that, that he would let something 
this, what I would consider, quote, insignificant to cause him to be depressed after he had this mountaintop experience. But let's share it together tonight, okay? First Kings chapter 17 and 18, you have Ahab, who's the king of Israel, and he is a wicked, wicked king. And has put Israel away from God into idolatry, all kinds of perversion going on, all kinds of sinfulness in the land. He's a very, very wicked king, an idol worshiper, and he married Jezebel. Wicked, wicked woman. And you get wicked, and you get wicked, and you put wicked and wicked together in a union, and man, you got wicked squared, brethren. I mean, I mean, it was a bad situation, and Jezebel actually had the false prophets, these priests of idols, eating at her table. And, and so when evil weds evil, it's a, it's a horrible thing. And so God caused a severe drought to come onto the land in order to try to get his people's attention and get them to turn back to them. Brethren, in that day and age, a severe drought meant starvation. We can, we, we're in a time in our world today where we can have a severe drought in one part of the world and we can import food from another part and we can survive. But in that day and age, it meant, it meant starvation. And it was a very serious time in the land. <clears throat> so God is taking care of Elijah during all these droughts. Okay, first he, he, he hides him by the brook Cherith, and, and he feeds him miraculously by ravens, okay? I've been, I, I, have, I have feasted on some birds. I've never had birds feed me. But, <clears throat> but, but this is what he did, and you all know the story. The brook dries up because of the severe drought, and then God sent and arranged for him to stay with a widow and her son. And again, you know the miraculous way that God took care of Elijah. Now, brethren, I mentioned this to show us that, that someone that's experiencing God's miracles and one after the other can still have depression. And, and again, God miraculously fed Elijah and the widow and her son uh, the bowl of flour and the jar of oil that, that uh, never ran dry, you know, just, just continuously. Uh, the widow's son during that time died. Elijah was able to raise him from the dead through God, of course, so another miracle. And, and then he sent back to King Ahab. And so uh, this is what God tells him to do. It's, it's the showdown on Mount Carmel, okay? Uh, First King chapter 18, beginning with verse 19, and you can, you can just, you just kind of follow along. But, but in verse 19 of chapter 18, now Ahab told uh, no, I'm sorry, that's right, 18, okay? I don't know that we put it down, so, so y'all just hang on to that, okay? But, but um, so uh, God told, uh, this is what God told uh, Elijah to tell King Ahab. Go and send and gather to me of, at Israel on Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah, these were two false gods, who eat at Jezebel's table, and he did. Now this, now, this is the challenge, and brethren, I'm sure I'm talking to people that are very familiar with this text here, okay? I'm just going to recap it very quickly for our lesson tonight. You have here, see, you have, you, you, have the, you, you have people on either side, okay? Opposing teams, as it were, okay? You have the gators and the bulldogs, right? Y'all can relate to that? And, and, and the gators worship them false prophets. No, okay. I'm, I'm going to stop there. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing, Chris. Uh, no, seriously. God goes to, and, and Ahab, I mean, Elijah goes to Ahab and he says, listen, you get all these false prophets, okay? You get all these idolaters, 450 on one, 400 on the other. Y'all all come up to Mount Carmel. He called all of Israel to come around the mountain and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a contest. And God says to do this. 
Each side is to take a sacrifice, a bull, and they're to sacrifice it to their god, or their gods in the case of these false gods. And, and he says, hey, whoever, he said, you are, y'all call to heaven, you, and whoever answers by fire, the God that sends fire down from heaven to, to consume the sacrifice that they're offering will be the one God that you worship, the one true God. He said, why do you halt or hesitate between two opinions? If God is the true God, serve him. If these false gods are, are the gods, serve him. But this is the way they were going to prove it, again by miracle. Now, y'all know the story. All those 450 prophets of Baal and 400 of Asher, they get together, they, they build their altar, they, they, put, <clears throat> they put the meat on it, the sacrifice. They call out all morning, all afternoon. They couldn't get a response because, as the Bible says in the Psalms and other areas, a piece of wood that's been carved into an idol cannot answer you. And so they, they're to know that. Them priests jumped and danced and cut themselves, drew blood, Trying to get them no answer whatsoever. And so Elijah has them build an altar, and he says, put a trench around it. And they put a trench around it, and he said, fill it with water. And they did it, fill it again. They filled it until the Bible says the water was just flowing off of the meat, okay, off of the sacrifice. And, and Elijah says a simple prayer. And boom, the fire comes down, consumes not only the meat, but the altar and the rocks around it. And Elijah's in his prime at this time. He says to the people of Israel who at this time said, Oh, that's got to be the one true God. He said, You seize all them prophets, and he took them down, and they had them killed by the sword. Now, he's on, he's on cloud nine right now, brethren. He is in a pinnacle of God's will, victory. And so then, after all of this, brothers and sisters, the very next chapter, he is running scared from one wicked woman. I had a brother tell me one time, Brother Green, you just ain't dealt with a wicked woman. I understand what Elijah went through. But regardless, I, and I've had the angelic wife, so I can't, I can't say I've done that. Okay? But what, let's look at how Elijah was able to rise from his depression to greatness. In 1 Kings chapter 19, um, you see here, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah has done. He is upset, Right? And so, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, she sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. I'm thinking at this point, after everything he's gone through, brethren, the way God has had fed him miraculously for these years, gave him, he saw, he saw that miracle on Mount Carmel, he he. He did all these things, miracle after miracle after miracle. You'd have thought somebody like Elijah would have said to Jezebel, bring it on, woman. You ain't nothing to me. I serve God. But it didn't happen that way, did it? He's running for his life. The first four verses of chapter 19, um, now uh, verse, uh, verse 3, we, we, we read the first two, and he was afraid. And arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. My goodness, brethren, this is the same man that the day before was killing these false prophets, victorious in God's will, and now he's running from a wicked woman and he's asking God to kill him. In one day, 
mountaintop experience down in the valley. So what does God do about that? This is what I think is good, that, that we can help uh, those that, that go into a discouragement or even a depression sometime, okay? Um, <clears throat> in chapter uh, 19, God takes care of his physical needs first, okay? Um, we see this in verses 5 and 6. I think I made a mistake and put down verses 4 and 5, but it should be 5 and 6, okay? Um, and, and this is what I did, okay? Because, brethren, he was totally drained. What he did on Mount Carmel took a great deal, and, and then him on the lamb and running, he, he is drained physically and emotionally. And isn't that when the devil can really attack? Do y'all notice that? When you're just war slapped out, the devil can get a, get a low blow in there. And, and so chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, <coughs> after asking God to take his life, verse 5, he lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. Who sent the angel? Who sent the angel, brother? God. Very good. Who gave, him, who gave, the, who gave the angel the food? Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think he shot a goose on the way over. Okay? And so, verse 6, Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. He's still sleeping. He's tired. You ever been that tired? You ever been that exhausted? Where, where somebody has to wake you up and make you eat, and as soon as you're done eating, man, boom, you back in bed again? I, I'm not talking about those folks who are just perpetually lazy. I'm talking about you're really wore out from physical labor. And so, brethren, the first thing that God did was he let him rest, and he fed him, and he, and he took care of his physical needs. Sometimes I think that's exactly what we need to do first. We, we're, we're Christians. So we want to look first at the spiritual side, right? And nothing wrong with that, brethren, except I think there's an order we see here. We need to eat properly. Don't overdo it. Proverbs 25, 16 talks about that. We need to get enough sleep and enough rest. You know, brethren, we live in this body. We live in this physical body. It has its limitations. And, and so we have to acknowledge that. In fact, Jesus, who was in human flesh while on the earth, would often go aside and rest. Matthew 14, 13, Mark 6, 32, 32 talk about this. Okay, even Jesus Christ needed to do that. And, and we need to have the rest and the energy that we're going to need to serve the Lord the way we need to serve the Lord. When I was a kid, you know, you you'd hear this expression sometime from the old timers. You can't fly with the eagles during the day if you hoot with the owls at night. Right. You got to get some rest, brethren. And, and we need to do that. We need to get exercise. First Timothy four, verse eight talks about that. We've, we've become too much of a spectator type of people, and sometimes we get so busy that we don't take care of the physical. Now, brethren, the physical is not the most important. We understand that. We know the spiritual takes precedent over that. We understand the physical is temporary and the physical is forever. We know that, but at the same time, while we're in the physical body, there's a time that we're going to need to rest. When I was younger... I used to think that if you were going to be faithful and spiritual, you had to just go all the time serving the Lord. You know what I did? I'm out burned out. You know, you can do that, brethren. And, and so we need to recognize that we are in the physical body. We need to take care of that. Jesus took care of his body. Luke 2.52 tells us that he grew in stature. He was a carpenter's son. <laughs> Beloved, one of the things that irritate me about some of these movies, even well-meaningful movies on the life of Christ, show him as this 
pale-looking little wimp. You ever see those? Jesus was not that way. He was a carpenter. They didn't have to walk sanders and, and, and chainsaws and stuff like that. It was all very physical. A carpenter was sturdy. And so we've got to do that. I think we forget sometimes that we are a three-part being, according to the Bible, body, mind, and soul, and they, and they intertwine with each other. And if you neglect the one, the other is going to suffer. And, brothers, if we know that, brethren, if we're wore out, if we're so tired we can hardly think, we're not going to be able to function well. And it's easier to become discouraged when you're not physically healthy, when you are wore to a frazzle. It is easy to become discouraged. We understand that. So God in his wisdom. Now he's going to, as we're going to see, he's not done with Elijah, but he gives him time to rest. We need to do that sometime. This body belongs to the Lord, and the Bible says we're to treat it right, right? We need to do that. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are a temple of God, meaning your physical body? and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. And then the next, verse 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, who you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body. So, brethren, we need to take care of our bodies. That's not the most important thing, but that is one important thing, and that's what God did for Elijah. God is concerned with our physical needs, and he knew that Elijah couldn't go on until his physical needs were met. He knew that he needed rest. So when you become discouraged, maybe the best thing you need to do is just nothing for a little while. Just rest. Just relax. Just catch up. Okay? Go to Hawaii and charge it to Steve McGee. He won't. No. <laughs> um, no, brother, just, uh, just rest because until you're rested, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to be where God wants you to be, Right? Have, have you ever, they say, I'm, I'm told by people that study this, that one of the signs of, of depression is that you just flat out have a lack of energy. You ever feel that way? You know, you say, I'm not doing anything to kill myself, but man, I, I have no energy whatsoever. So we need to rest, number one. Number two, you need to talk about our problems. To people that we know that we can talk to, brothers and sisters, okay? Um, in verses 9 and 10, God allowed Elijah to have his say in chapter 19, uh, he they said he, he came to a cave and lodged there, okay? So he's no longer sleeping under the juniper tree out in the open. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, he unloads, brothers and sisters, and listen, God allows this. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord and the God of hosts for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone and left, and now they seek my life to take it away. Brothers and sisters, you know what his two, his two uh, major things wrote when God said, what is it, Elijah? What's going on? And, and he says, uh, number one, Lord, I'm the only one left that's serving you. Y'all ever feel that way, brethren? You ever be on fire with the Lord and you really want to do something for God and, and you look around and it just seemed like you're the only one doing it? It seemed like nobody else really is interested in it. You can't get anybody on fire, you know, and it, it just seems that, that, that you're the only one out there and that you alone are serving the Lord and you get, it gets tiresome. And, and Elijah is telling God that and he said, not only that, Lord, but he's saying, basically, 
I'm in the thick of your will. I am serving you. I'm trying to do right. And what, do I, what thanks do I get? They're trying to kill me. You ever feel that way, brethren? You ever had that talk with God? God, I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to serve you. I'm not out there living like the world. I'm, I'm trying to be a good Christian, and, and I'm trying to grow in Christ. And you know I pray and I study and, and I serve you the best way I can, and yet the thanks I get for it is all kind of hard times in my life. Nobody's ever said that to the Lord. No, your preacher? Well, I've had that conversation with God, you know? And, and, and Elijah's having that same conversation. You know, he, he does God's will, does exactly what God says to do, and now he's having to run for his life, and he just don't appreciate that a whole lot, and he's letting God know that. Brothers and sisters, do you know God allows that from his faithful people? Do you know he allows that? If I, that you know, my grandmother's generation and everything, oh, you didn't dare, you didn't dare raise, you know, anything like that to the Lord, right? You get struck by lightning, right? Oh, you don't talk that way to God. Brethren, <clears throat> we're not talking about being mean or disrespectful or dishonoring God in any way whatsoever. God is allowing Elijah in his discouragement to be very honest and open. And that's exactly what he's doing. Now, God's not going to accept his excuses, but he allows him to get him off his chest, right? God allowed Elijah to have his say. We need to do that, brothers and sisters. Getting, doing that, talking like that is what they call a good catharsis, you know? It purges you. Doesn't it feel better to get something off your chest sometimes? Have you ever done that, you know? You just need to go out of the woods and scream and holler and just get some things off your chest. And you come back feeling better, right? And, and, and so God let him do that. A lot of counselors have helped a whole lot of people by not saying a word. They just listen to it. And, 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 they, and they oftentimes work out their own problem. When you're discouraged, brethren, talk to somebody you can trust, a good friend, a brother or sister in Christ, and especially to God. God understands. God understands. He's not going to be insulted by your honesty. It's not good to hold those problems inside, okay? It's like a pressure cooker. How many of y'all know what a pressure cooker is? Okay, good. How many of y'all ever use one? What's that little doohickey on the top of it? It goes, okay? Now, what happens if you, if you plug that thing and you don't let that pressure off? You're going to have a mess, right? My mom was cooking some turnip greens one time in a pressure cooker on the stove. I'm a teenager. I walk by. You know why? Because I'm a teenager. And I walk by and I say, wonder what happened if somebody just, uh, knocked that little doohickey off the top of that thing. Like, I took a fork and flipped it off. Guess what? I had to leave that kitchen quick. The whole time we lived in that house for 15 years, there was a green circle on the ceiling that we could not cover with any kind of paint in the world, buddy. Brethren, we build up like that. We get that pressure, and if we don't share it, if we don't get it off our chest, then it's going to build up and build up and build up until one day there's going to be an explosion, and that's not a good thing. So rest. Talk about your problems, especially to God. He understands. And then thirdly, we need to get a fresh view of God, of his power and his promises when we are discouraged. Look at verses 11 through 13 of our text, okay, in Elijah, uh, <clears throat> First Kings chapter 19. Um, then he, uh, verses 11 through 13, um, the Bible says this. So he said to him, now he's in the cave, remember. He says to him, go forth and 
uh, stand on a mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great wind, a great and strong wind was, was rending the mountains and breaking it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. That would be like a, a category way up there, hurricane or tornado, right? I mean tearing rocks out, out of the mountains and, and, and just tearing stuff up, okay? Powerful, brethren, but the Lord was not on the wind. And after the wind, the earthquake. Y'all, <clears throat> you know, you see the aftermath of an earthquake, even a, a brief one in San Francisco or places like that, you know. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle blowing. Some versions say a gentle breeze. Y'all been out in this South Georgia weather, man, and it's as hot. It's so hot the uh, chicken farmers are having to, feed their chickens cracked ice to keep them from laying hard-boiled eggs, you know, and you out there just working in that stuff, and you sit down on an oak tree to rest, you know, drinking your Gatorade or whatever, and, and, and you feel this little breeze. I'm, I'm not talking about a, a, a horrible wind, just a just little breeze, brethren. Doesn't it feel so good, you know? And, and that's what he hears, this this gentle breeze. And, and so, brethren, um, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave and behold, a voice came to him and said, God, ask him again the exact same thing. What are you doing here, Elijah? You see what God's doing, brethren, okay? God reminds Elijah of his power, that he's the God of all nature and that, and that he has unlimited power and that there's no problem that he can't handle. And, and that he's taking care of Elijah, and that he's going to continue to do so. And sometimes we just have to have that reminder, brethren, that, we, that what we know in our heart of hearts, right? But we just need that reminder because when you're discouraged, you don't look at those things. And so God has him go out, and he gives him this display, and, and God gives Elijah a fresh view of himself and his power and how he's still in control of everything, brothers and sisters. And there's a time we need to step back and look at the whole picture, especially concerning our Heavenly Father. When discouragement comes, we draw inward oftentimes and dwell only on the problem, only on what has caused the depression, as in verse 14, when Elijah answers God, when he asks him what he's doing, he gives him a repeat of what he says. Then he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He still had the same complaint, didn't he? But it's different now. God, You see, God's going to work in him now, beloved. And so, <coughs> what's Elijah doing? He's looking only on the cause of what has caused his depression. We need to remember and remind ourselves of the promises and the power of God. That's why we've got to stay in his word. Romans 8, 28 promises that God's going to work all things out for the good of those who love the Lord. Matthew 28, 19, part of the Great Commission. He says, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age and the world. Whether we're saved, we're in God, we've we got so many blessings in Christ. It's easy to forget those things when we're in a state of depression. So we need to get a fresh view by talking to God. And we need to pray. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 talk about that, right? We need to do that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, or somewhere to say uh, surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brother, we need to pray fervently during these times and then allow God to answer you. Allow God to talk to you. You study. You stay in the book. You stay in his word. Beloved, you know what happens so very often and we miss it because we're not looking for it? We, won't, we expect God to answer us in the, in the hurricane and the, and, and the fire and the earthquake. But he doesn't oftentimes. He does like he does with Elijah. And he answers in that still, soft, gentle voice. Let's allow God to talk to us in that way. Get in his word. Get in his word while we're looking for the big sign. The big thing from God. The earthquake, the fire, the wind. He's saying, hey. Study his word, brethren. Get in the word. And then you know what he does? Oh, Psalms 11950. This is my comfort and my affliction. That's your word has revived me. Stay in God's word. And then after that, brother, the fourth thing, we're almost done. He says to Elijah, okay, Elijah, you've really been faithful to me. You've served me. You can go out now and retire and just spend your life on the beach or, you know, on the river or on the lake or going to Hawaii or whatever. You, you, you've done enough, right? Is that what he said to him? Somebody say no. Mm-mm. You know what he told him to do? After letting him rest, after taking care of all of his needs, he said, you get busy. God doesn't give Elijah a, 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 a cause to wallow in self-pity, brothers and sisters. He listened to him, as God will do. But then you know what he says in chapter 19, verse 15? The Lord said to him, go. Get out, boy. Get out of that cave. Go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you have arrived, you shall not anoint Hazel king over Aram, which was Syria. Um, <clears throat> brethren, that's what God tells us to do. He's going to comfort us. He's going to bless us. He's going to take care of us. He can remind us of his power. He's going to remind us that he's still in control and that everything's going to work out for good because he's going to make sure that it does. But in the meantime, what do we need to do? Get busy. That's what we need to do. Don't ever quit when you're discouraged, brothers and sisters. I'm told that's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do is to just give up and quit. They say you need to stay busy and keep working and be active because action will kill discouragement. Have you ever noticed that? Action will always help you or keep you from focusing on yourself. And when you're feeling bad, help somebody else, serve somebody else. And quit feeling sorry for yourself and get busy. Work is real good therapy, brothers and sisters. It really is. And remain faithful to God and his cause. This is what God's saying to Elijah. He said, Elijah. Elijah, I, I know you're in a depressed state. I know you're going through a really, really hard time in your life. But you know what? I'm not done with you yet. Brethren, God specializes in using weak, sinful human beings to do his will. And so allow him to do that. What do we need to overcome discouragement? Very quickly, I'm almost done. Take care of your physical body. Get the rest you need. Talk about your problems, especially to your heavenly father of course um <clears throat> get a fresh view of god his power and his promises and there in his word and then get busy for the lord brothers and sisters let's just keep our eyes on jesus beloved let's keep serving god so that satan won't 
have an opportunity to do discouragement against us, at least not for long. We're all going to go through that, and we all probably have, and we all may again. But stay with God. Stay with God no matter what. You'll be blessed. I appreciate your kind attention. If there's anyone that needs the Lord in their life, if they need the prayers, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation in any way, we would invite you to come now while we stand in prayer.